Well, let's pray as we come to look at this part of the Bible. Lord, we thank you so much for the variety of books that we have in the Bible. And we thank you for the book of Acts, which shows us the spread of the good news. Father, I pray this morning that as I preach, that you would take my weak and stumbling preaching and that you would use it in the hearts of minds of all of us. And we ask that by the power of your spirit that we would hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I'm not going to lie. Whenever I was 18 years old, and here is a, a beautiful picture of me coming up. Can you see this? I think. Is it coming up? It's not. Look at this handsome guy. Hey. So there I am, 18 years old. Bit of acne. Some sun in my hair to make it blonde, nice and spiky, doing my parents' head in. There I am at 18. At 18 years old, if you had have said to me that I would be a minister, I would have laughed very, very hard at that suggestion. Uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, I wasn't a Christian. So at 18 years old, I was not a Christian. I was not a follower of Jesus. I'd been around church, I, I knew some of the stories, all of that stuff, but I was very far from being someone who loved Jesus and tried to live his way. And also, I would have found it quite funny because church to me was the most dull and boring place on earth, and I would never really have imagined myself even going to church as an adult, never mind being a minister in a church. And yet, fast forward another 18 years, and here I am today, in a pulpit as the minister of a church. And I love it. And I love the church. Something had happened there, but, but I could never have imagined it. And here at the beginning of Acts, what we meet are a group of 11 men. They're 11 normal men. They were fishermen. They were tax collectors. They were just regular, ordinary men. And there were 11 of them. And these ordinary men, they'd spent three years with Jesus. They'd spent three years following him, three years learning from him, three years listening to all of his teaching, three years seeing him do amazing things. And then Jesus, in this passage, he leaves them. See you guys. I'm going Jesus, as we read in this passage, he, he left them. He ascended to heaven. He'd risen from the dead, and he left these guys behind on their own. And I think that the words that Jesus said to them, to their ears, must have sounded completely and utterly unbelievable. Because listen to what Jesus said to this group of 11, 11 ordinary flawed men. Have a look with me at verse 8. He says to them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now look what Jesus says very carefully there. He says, you will be my witnesses. You 11 men, you're going to be something that you can't even imagine. You're going to be my witnesses. 
And you're going to be my witnesses, not only in Jerusalem and Samaria and Judea, but you're going to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. Jesus has the future of these 11 guys mapped out. And the future he has mapped out for them is that they are going to be witnesses to him. Now, maybe you're going, okay, Marty, what is a witness? What do you mean they're going to be witnesses of Jesus? Well, if you're a witness to a car crash, imagine out on the Krieger Road, there, you happen to be walking down the street and there's a car crash and you're a witness to it. What do you do when the police come if you're a witness? You tell them what you saw, you tell them what you heard. Yep, I was walking down the Krieger Road and I heard these tires screeching and then I heard this loud bang and I turned around and I saw glass everywhere and I saw the, the red car driven into the back car. If you're a witness to something, you tell them what you saw and you tell them what you heard. And so Jesus says to these 11 men, you're going to be witnesses to me throughout the whole world. My plan for you is that you're going to tell the world about what I have said and what I have done. Now, these guys, they were well equipped for this task. I don't know about you, but sometimes whenever I go to attempt DIY, and I'm terrible at DIY a lot of the time, but sometimes when I go to do a task at home, I get everything set up to do it, and then I go to my toolbox, and I don't have the tool I need. I've lost it. I'm not equipped. But these 11 men, they were actually very well equipped to be witnesses because these men, they'd been with Jesus. They'd spent three years with him. These men had witnessed Jesus doing miraculous things, things that were supernatural, things that could only be done if God was doing them. These guys, they, they'd seen Jesus heal someone with a touch. They'd seen him calm storms with a word. They'd seen him drive out demons with a command. They'd witnessed him turning water into wine and they'd witnessed him walking on water as if it's a pavement. These men had witnessed the miraculous things that Jesus did. They also witnessed Jesus the man who was compassion personified. They'd seen Jesus touch the lame and the leper, those who no one else wanted to touch. They'd seen him reach out with compassion and touch these people. They'd seen him talk with women and talk with the weak. Those who society didn't have time for, they witnessed Jesus making time for they witnessed Jesus caring for children. Come to me, little children. Come to me and I'll talk to you. And caring for their parents. Yes, I'll come and I'll raise your daughter from the dead. They'd seen Jesus giving hope to the poor and hope to prostitutes. They had witnessed Jesus welcome sinners and outcasts to eat with him. These men had witnessed compassion personified. They'd witnessed Jesus in the flesh. They'd seen him love others with a love like no one else had. They'd also witnessed Jesus' death, a death which again was like no other death. 
they'd witnessed Jesus in Gethsemane saying to his father, if there's any other way, please take this cup from me. They'd witnessed him go through that excruciating experience. They'd witnessed him tied up by a mob and taken away to be put in a sham trial. They heard him falsely accused of things that he'd never done wrong and they witnessed him keeping his mouth shut, never defending himself, letting them sentence him to death. They heard the hammer as it sent nails through his wrists and nails through his ankles. They heard the loud cry from Jesus on the cross. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. They watched him die. They were heartbroken. They seen it. And then they witnessed the sky going dark and they heard the, the trembling of an earthquake. They'd seen a death like no other death. They worshipped after it though. When they saw him die, they worried and they hid. When they saw him die, they wept that he had gone. But then they worshipped because they witnessed his resurrection. They witnessed Jesus alive from the dead. They talked with him and they walked with him and they ate with him and they touched him. And then in our passage this morning, they, they witnessed him disappear in the most bizarre and miraculous way. They saw him leave before their very eyes. They were well equipped to witness about Jesus. They'd seen and heard him say and do so much. They'd also witnessed his teaching. They'd listened to him, Jesus, the teacher, and again they had heard him say the most incredible, unique, and challenging things. They heard him say, love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. Go the extra mile. They heard him say, blessed are you who mourn for you shall be comforted. Blessed are you the peacemakers. Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness. He heard him say some of the most hope-filled words in the universe. I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Whoever believes in me, though they die, yet they shall live. These 11 ordinary people, they were well equipped to tell people about Jesus. They had seen him do so many amazing things. They had heard his wonderful, amazing teaching. And they knew the message he wanted them to hear. The message that says Jesus has died for our sin and risen from the dead that we could be reconciled to God. They were well equipped. But here's a question for you. Do you think they felt able to do what Jesus said they were going to do? Do you think they felt able well-equipped, but do you think they felt able? I don't think they did. I don't think they would have felt able 
for a second. There's just 11 of them. And yes, they know about Jesus, but have a look at verse 8 again. Do you see where Jesus says that he's planning for them to go? Do you see the, the, the breadth of the task Jesus is putting out before them? Look at the text. Look at verse 8. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Hey guys, my plan for you, the 11 of you here, is that you're going to take what you know about me and you're going to take it to the ends of the earth. You, you can imagine the doubts they had. You can imagine the reasons they felt unable. <laughs> okay, we're going to go to Jerusalem. Hey, hey Jesus, that's, that's where they just killed you. The people in Jerusalem, they, they hate you. They're against you. They, they just murdered you. And now you're saying that we're to go there and tell people about you? Imagine the opposition that there's going to be there. They think to themselves, how are we going to do this? I imagine they're thinking. And then you want us to go out to, to the whole world? You want us to reach Rome? You want us to take the, this message to other places? Well, Jesus, how on earth are we going to do that if there's just 11 of us? How can we possibly do that? We're going to need more people. And where are we going to get them from? And how are we going to travel? How are we going to get there? And who's going to support us financially, Jesus? How are we going to do this? The task is so big. And then, Jesus, whenever we get to the ends of the earth, suppose we get to those other countries. I mean, they worship lots of gods there. You're just going to become another god amongst them. They're going to be indifferent to hearing from us. I imagine being in the shoes of those apostles that morning, those disciples, and hearing the words of Jesus and thinking, yes, you know, we're well able for this, we're equipped for this, but, but we're not able to do it, Jesus. How on earth are we going to do this? How are we going to do it? We're going to get on to it next week, but in the text we get a big clue as to how they're actually going to be able to do this. And the clue is at the start of that verse 8. Jesus says to them, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And that is the key. That is the key reason why they're actually able to do this because the Holy Spirit is going to come and he is going to give them the power to share the gospel and the power to go out and do what Jesus has for them to do. And as we go through Acts, we're going to see it. Verses chapters 1 to 7, we're going to see them in Jerusalem. Chapters 8 to 10, we're going to see them in Judea and Samaria. And then chapter 13 plus, if we ever get there, which I do hope we do, we're going to see them going into the rest of the world. Eleven ordinary men Fishermen, tax collectors, normal flawed people like me and you. And at the beginning of Acts, although they're well equipped, they're feeling unable to do what Jesus calls them to do. And yet when the Holy Spirit comes, they go and they do it. Now, what has this got to do with us? Let me suggest four things that, that I think this passage 
was saying to us this morning, and I think God wants us to grasp as the church today, let me suggest four things. And the first thing is this. The first thing is that the good news must go. The good news must go to the ends of the earth, even today. The good news must go to the ends of the earth. And you know what that means? It must go to the end of our street. Marty, why must the good news go? Why do we need to get the message of Jesus out? Why do we need people to, to come to know about Jesus? There are many people who don't know about him, but, but why do we need to tell them? Well, let me answer with one verse, and it's a verse that we're going to find in Acts later on. And it says this, There is no other name under heaven by which man can be saved. There is no other name under heaven by which a person can be saved. You see, what people don't realize and what we might have forgotten is that people need to be saved. They need to be rescued. People without Jesus now are living without God. They don't know him. They don't have a relationship with him. They're not reconciled to him. And they need saved from that. They need saved from missing out on life with God. There are also people and their life is, is difficult and it's hard. And the life they're living, they, they need freedom from, but they can't get it. They're, they're bound with addiction and bound with problems and they can't find freedom. But Jesus is one who came to set captives free. People need to be saved from the life they're in that they can't seem to shift. And only Jesus can really save them from it. And then they need saved from what happens after death. And this is uncomfortable. And I know we don't really like to think about this very much, especially in our modern world. But the Bible says that after death, there is judgment, that we stand before God and we're judged for our lives. And all of us, myself and every other person in the whole world, we've sinned against God, we've rebelled against Him. And if we stand on our own merit, we're going to be condemned. And we'll face the punishment that our sin deserves. But Jesus died so we can be saved from that, so people can be rescued from that judgment. On the cross, he took the punishment that our sin deserves. He died. He was punished so people don't have to be. Now, I know that for many of you, this is not a new idea. But I think we've become kind of hardened to it or something. We know those things are true with our minds. We believe those things intellectually. We know that is what the Bible teaches. But have we really let those truths sink down into our hearts? Because if we let them sink down and if they really are something we come to believe, then how can we not recognize that the gospel needs to go? There are so many people who are lost and need saved. And Jesus is the only one who can save them. Just like back in 
the beginning of Acts 1, the gospel needs to go to all the earth. It needs to go overseas. It needs to go to all different countries. It needs to go to all different people. There are lots of people who've never heard about Jesus. But folks, it also needs to go to the end of our streets. It needs to go to the bottom of Ravenhill Avenue. It needs to go up to the top of my lady's road. It needs to travel down the Craig and onto the Woodstock. This message of Jesus, it, it needs to go. That's the first thing that we, I think we can apply to us as the church today. The, the second application then is that we are to be witnesses. Now Jesus, he had a very specific plan for these 11 guys. They were to go and I guess be full-time missionaries if you like. They were to give their lives to that. Now that's not us. We've got jobs. You know, we work jobs or, or we're retired and we look after grandchildren or we, we have different responsibilities in life. We're not being called to be missionaries. But we are called to be witnesses where we are. We are to be witnesses. We as this church, Ravenhill Presbyterian, as a group of people, as a team, we as a team of people are to be witnesses in this area. We're to do things that reach out and share the gospel. But also as individuals, when we get the opportunity to talk about Jesus, we're to take it. When those opportunities arise, we're to tell people about him and point to him. We are to be witnesses. And as a congregation, what I want you to know is that we're, we're making some plans for around Easter time. We're planning to do some things as a church family that, that really try to share the good news of Jesus with other people. And as those plans start to unfold and as you start to find out about them, I really want you to pray for them. I want you to pray that as we reach out and try to share the gospel, that people come to hear about Jesus. And also I want you to start to pray and think about people who you might bring along to those things that are going to be in place. But we're called to be witnesses. The third thing then I think we see from this, and for me this gives me a lot of comfort, is that just like those first disciples, I doubt they felt able, we are never going to feel able. We're never going to feel able. I mean, as I talk about being witnesses, my guess that is that all of you at some level are going, I could never do that, Marty. <laughs> I just wouldn't know what to say, or I, I don't have the confidence, or I don't have the boldness. You know, I'm not like you up there, Marty. I'm just, you know, I'm, I don't know how to do this. Let me tell you something. I feel unable too. We all feel unable. And part of the beauty of that means that then whenever we do share about Jesus, we know it's not us doing the work, but it's the Holy Spirit. And I really want to encourage you, the fact you feel unable is normal. But I want to encourage you too that the Holy Spirit will empower you if you decide that you're willing to talk about Jesus. And the last thing that I think this passage reminds us of is that we need to be equipped. Do you remember the story? I went to do some DIY and I didn't have the tools. Well, my guess is this morning that as you sit here, you probably don't feel like you have the tools. I mean, these 11 guys, these 11 guys who Jesus sent out, they'd spent three years with Jesus. What they got was better than any sort of Bible college could give in three years. They got three years with Jesus. And in that three years, I don't know if you remember, but he actually sent them out at times to have a go at this. 
He sent them out on short-term missions. Right, lads? Away into that area and tell people that the kingdom of God has arrived. These guys, these 11, they were equipped. They had the tools. But this morning, my guess is that many of us don't feel like we do. And so the question is, what are we going to do about this? Are we going to live our lives, the rest of our lives, saying we don't have the tools? Or are we going to go to the DIY shop and get some? Because <laughs> the good news is that in January, we're planning to open the DIY shop. This January, we're, we're planning to partner with Kirkpatrick Memorial Church. And we're planning to do some evangelism training in January. And so what I want to encourage you to do as we study the book of Acts and as you hopefully feel your heart stirred to, to share about Jesus, I want to encourage you to block out the first four weeks in January and the first two weeks in February and commit to coming along and getting the tools to share about Jesus. In Acts chapter 1, the message is very simple. The good news about Jesus, it must go. As we read the rest of the book, we're going to see how it goes. But my hope and my prayer is that it inspires us as a church and you as individuals to go and share Jesus where we are. Let's pray before we sing again. Our Father in heaven, it is absolutely mind-blowing to think that 2,000 years ago, 11 normal men were sent out to share the news of Jesus. And yet here we are thousands of miles away, thousands of years later in a completely different culture and context. And yet we have heard about Jesus and it's transformed and changed our lives. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would never let us become over familiar with the gospel that it doesn't impact us, but instead help us to realize how privileged we are to have heard. And Father, our prayer is that over the coming weeks and months, that as we study your word, that you would speak to us and light a fire in us, that we would delight and desire to tell others this good news that we've received and been transformed by. Father, I pray that we would become a church which is known for doing good to people, but also for sharing the good news with them. Give us boldness and help, we pray, to do this. In Jesus' name, amen.